morning, everyone. Welcome, welcome to the 11 o'clock service. We're so excited you're joining us for worship this morning. We got some great stuff prepared for you this morning. Why don't you stand and join us as we kick it off with some worship music. You got your dancing feet on. You got your clapping hands today. Hope your voices are ready to sing some praise to God. Let's do this together. the 
you to turn and pass the peace of Christ to those around you. Thanks for joining us this morning. Peace to you as well. We have a peace in the chat if you're joining us.
announcements to bring your attention. First of all, I want to let you know that Lent is right around the corner. It starts March the 2nd. And we have several ways for you to begin that season where we journey with Christ. Just as he had the 40 days in the wilderness, we do our own 40 days. And so we kick that off with a, a Lenten breakfast in the morning, if you'd like to come. The United Methodist women put on a free breakfast and uh, we offer the imposition of ashes. Uh, even though the United Methodist women put it on, it's for all people. The whole church is invited. So come out then at 930. They do need some reservations just so they know how much food to prepare. Uh, also, in the evening, Pastor Jill is going to offer for the confirmation for parents and mentors and anybody in the church. If Lent's a new concept to you, come at 630, meet in Wickham Chapel, and she'll talk about what that all means, uh, what the holidays uh, uh, communicate to us as we journey with Christ. And then right after that, at 7 in the sanctuary, we'll have our Ash Wednesday service, which will again offer the imposition of ashes as we journey with Christ all the way to Easter. Uh, today's the last Sunday we're focusing on the 200 envelopes fundraiser so be sure to grab an envelope out there you can take it home put a check in it bring it back or you can go online and just utilize it in that fashion and use the donate button there just use that same 200 envelope graphic also uh, it may be cold outside but it's warm inside the greenhouse so if you'd like to volunteer out at Teeter and help us with our food security mission we have three volunteer times Monday Tuesday evening Thursday morning also we're uh, trying to rebuild, uh, at least to make it a little stronger, our linen team of the three teams that help with the Tudor Retreat cabins. We use volunteers to turn those cabins over and preserve as much of that income for the food security mission. So if you can change beds, uh, please come help us out. So use your connection card, I think, has an option for that. Always use the next steps uh, on our website that tells you what's coming up the next week and the weeks to come. Uh, there's also uh, ways to connect to, for giving, for serving, the connection cards on that as well. Uh, use the next steps. And Pam Kamblinger is our hospitality coordinator. She is, if you're new, be sure to see her. She's got a free gift for you and connect you with our uh, ministries. And please remember always that there's many ways that you can give. You can use the basket here today when you come forward for communion. Uh, you can also give online. Uh, or you can use the app. It's, it's, uh, you can give in like 15 seconds just using the app. So please help us continue to fund the ministry that takes place here and beyond. I think the rest of the announcements you can read on your own. Uh, the stewardship video we're about to show uh, is about our Sunshine Friends program. It's a monthly program. Okay, let me finish. <laughs> it's a monthly program uh, that meets the needs of special needs adults. It's been going on for over 30 years. And uh, the United Methodist Women wanted to honor that, and so she shares this award in this video for the volunteers as well as those who come. Sunshine Friends was started in 1981 by a dear friend named Lisa Wongsness, Pam Moore, and myself. We have been blessed by the greatest support of this church, by the best volunteers in the world. I've had great leadership, um, awesome help. The toughest thing that we've been through was learning to Zoom 
Zooming was really hard for us. Some were able to do it, some just could never understand. The volunteers were on there loyally, just volunteering their time and laughing and trying to make people smile because the world was pretty sad for a while. It is a very special night for me because the United Methodist Women give awards to groups of people who are doing marvelous, marvelous things. And this year, and I have the certificate that was presented to the Sunshine Friends volunteers, and I'm going to include all the best, all the guests, because I think the guests are just as important as the volunteers. And we um, are just blessed to have the freedom to have these parties and bring joy to the hearts of our special needs community and the hearts of the volunteers that share their time. I just want to thank the church and all the volunteers that are involved. Good morning. We're the Fogarty's. Our scripture reading today is from Romans 3, verses 1 through 7. We who are powerful need to be patient with the weakness of those who don't have power and not please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good in order to build them up. Christ didn't please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insulted you fell on me. Whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction so that we could have hope through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures. May the God of endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude toward each other, similar to Christ Jesus's attitude. That way you can glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ together with one voice. So welcome each other in the same way that Christ also welcomed you for God's glory. We, we are, are thankful, thankful for, for the, the gift of scripture. the scripture. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're now in the midst of our series that we're calling Won't You Be My Neighbor? based upon the theology of Fred Rogers. And we've been looking how that pervaded his programming. And we also feel like it, uh, his message is kind of timely, given the challenging times that we are experiencing. I've had many people after church come up and say, you know, we could use some Fred Rogers today with all that's going on in our world. So two weeks ago, we heard about the story of the Good Samaritan, which defines who our neighbor is and invites us to especially see our neighbor as those people who are different from us. Last week, we talked about loving our neighbor as ourselves, which tells us that we got to love ourselves because that increases our capacity to love others. This week, we're going to take Fred Rogers' message, look for the helpers, and see what it has to say to us today. So I don't know what your world's like, at least the social circles that I speak in. I hear a lot of people conversing about how bad things are. You experiencing that? I hear things like, you know, Russia's about to invade Ukraine. You're worried about how that upsets things. I have people, they're concerned about the leadership of our country. 
I hear people talk about how bad inflation is, how hard it is to find employees, how interest rates are probably about to go up, and what's that going to do to the stock market? There's a lot of worry out there right now. And if you look at your social media, it's not any prettier. It seems like we pick battles over everything. I mean, I watched the Super Bowl, and then I was surprised when I woke up the next May next morning looked at my Twitter feed and there was all this arguing about how good or how bad the halftime entertainment was. It's amazing how we take everything and turn it into some political deal. Well, all this kind of talk is what I would call apocalyptic talk. It's the language that surrounds the feeling that the world as we know it is coming to an end. And apocalyptic is a term that is not a uh, it's, it's familiar to us as Christians because we have what's called apocalyptic literature in our Bible. The book of Daniel in the Old Testament is an apocalyptic book. The 13th chapter of Matthew where Jesus talks about the end times and looking for the signs, that's an example of apocalyptic literature. And then, of course, the biggest example is the whole book of Revelation, full of symbolism. Try reading it and you can get very confused. But it's really trying to tell us that God ultimately has things in, in, in his hands. And uh, so that's apocalyptic literature. That's the kind of times that we're living in now, where it feels like things as we know it are coming to an end. Well, Taya Miles, she's a historian and a professor at Harvard University. And I read an article that came out, I think it was on Monday, it was a guest essay to the New York Times. And she shared an experience that happened in her own family. They were sitting around the table. They got three kids, a set of twins, who are in high school and a young one in middle school. And they were discussing in the middle of January where everything was really shaky with Omicron, especially in New York City, the rise of cases in their kids' schools was rising so high that they were discussing what do they do? Do they take the kids out of school or not? And as they're discussing all this, one of the twins just put her fork down and immediately shouted out, we're all gonna die. Well, she said it in a way that was a little overdramatic, but also broke Taya's heart. And her motherly instincts kicked right in as she said, listen to me, this is not the end, this is just a change. Well, that's the world we're living in, right? And she goes on to describe that we are in this condition of apocalyptic anxiety, which has overtaken us, raising our collective blood pressure sending us into a turmoil that leads to conspiracy thinking, suspicion, pessimism, and conflict. And she meant that she herself has kind of gone through this foxhole of doomsday thinking for a while, but hearing one of her children voice, it just kind of snapped her out of it and helped her to see things a little differently. And since that experience, she's thought more about that, and she goes on to say that there's meaning in that for all of us. And she says this quote, this is not the end, it is a change. I'll bet the largest and most dramatic transformation that many of us have seen in our lifetimes. Change is often frightening, we strive for stability because the stress change causes, we often shrink or freeze in the face of it. And she goes on to point out that we've, we've experienced apocalyptic times before our world has known flooding, famine, disease, exile, and war before. And she just suggests that there are numerous examples of our ability to survive and to come through, to reinvent ourselves. 
She even suggested this month's Black History Month. She said you can look at numerous examples where a whole race of people had far greater challenges than what we're facing right now. And somehow they proved resilient and have come through in the face of those incredible obstacles and hatred. And she declares it's not a viable strategy to close our minds and assume all is already lost. And she invites us to meet that change ahead by joining together in small acts of mutual humanity. I like that, small acts of mutual humanity. Well, that's kind of what the Apostle Paul is talking about in our scripture today. It's a whole different kind of problem, but the tension's similar. And I don't think we can appreciate how tense things were through the words that he describes, because he says it so calmly. But really what they're dealing with is he's, he's writing this letter of the Romans to a lot of churches. There's several house churches in and around Rome. And they're experiencing something that was very common in that first century is <clears throat> the Christian movement has grown to the point now that you have Jewish Christians who had got spread all throughout the Roman Empire. And now because of the movement of Paul and others, there's now a lot of Gentile Christians, non-Jewish Christians. And they each bring their own baggage to their local church situation. And most of it's centered around the kind of foods they eat and the observance of holidays, which doesn't sound like a big deal to us, but to them it was. For the Jewish people, it was a big deal because their Torah law said that you can't eat shellfish, you can't eat pork. To the Gentile Christians, they used to worship these pagan gods where meat was sacrificed to those idols. And for them to eat some of that meat for them was bringing them back to those past ways of living. And those early Christians, they usually gathered for a meal. And some of them were bringing foods that had been sacrificed to idols. And others are bringing foods that the Jewish people wouldn't ever eat. And so it's creating conflict and turmoil. And Paul's suggesting in this letter that there's two approaches to this. And he sees some as the powerful or, or the stronger in mind. And he puts himself in that category as realizing this stuff of worrying about food that we eat and the special holidays is minor stuff. The Christian faith's about faith in Christ and what Christ has done for us. But he also tells that strong, the powerful, to have that sensitivity to the weaker because it is a big deal to them. And so if it's going to be that big a deal, then just abstain from bringing those kind of foods or just don't even eat together at all because we have something much bigger, much more important. He calls for perspective, just like Taya Miles was calling for perspective of the issues that her children were facing. And Paul's thinking is driven not so much by what our rights are, what is the right thing to do, but by our relationships with others. He says it right here in the second verse. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good in order to build them up. He's calling for those people to be leaders or be helpers. Well, I think Mr. Rogers would affirm the advice of Taya Miles and the Apostle Paul. As a matter of fact, Fred would probably describe the same kind of thing and experience that he had when he was growing up. Whenever he saw something troubling on TV, he went to his mom, and his, his mom had this advice. She told him, Whenever you see something disturbing, look for the helpers. 
Look for the helpers. They're always there. They might be on the sidelines, but they're always there. And Fred Rogers went on to preach to people that we should always make sure that anytime there's any news accounts that show something disturbing or troubling, especially to children, they should make sure they show some, some scenes of the police or the firefighters or the emergency people or anyone else who is showing and demonstrating that they're there to help. Look for the helpers. Show the helpers. Let's look at this video that reinforces that message. What do you do with the mad that you feel? What do you do with the mad that you feel when you feel so mad you could fight? When the whole wide world seems oh so wrong and nothing you do seems very right. What do you do? Do you punch a bag? Do you pound some clay or some dough? Do you round up friends for a game of tag or see how fast you go? It's great to be able to stop when you've planned a thing that's wrong and be able to do something else instead. I can stop when I want to can stop when I wish, can stop, 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 any time. And what a good feeling to feel like this. And know that the feeling is really mine. Know that there's something deep inside that helps us become what we can. For a girl can be someday a lady, and a boy can be someday a man. There will always be helpers. Anybody who is coming into a place where there's a tragedy, just on the sidelines, always look for the helpers. If you look for the helpers, you'll know that there's hope. For women, there is something really new. When we see the Earth from space, we see ourselves as a whole. It is such a simple image. The poorest of the poor are our brothers and sisters. Tear down this wall. Where human beings are being oppressed, there is more work to be done. What is essential is invisible to the eye. Our whole world needs to work on ways to deal with anger. If we can be present to the moment with the person that we happen to be with at the moment, that's what's important. interesting thing was that <clears throat> Fred Rogers was called upon to be one of those helpers 
Not long after he retired, he retired in August of 2001. We know what happened in September of 2001, the tragedy of 9-11. And Fred Rogers was particularly impacted by that because, one, he was a resident of Pennsylvania where Flight 93 came down. He also had an apartment in New York City because his work took him there sometimes. And so he had a great passion for what was going on in that city. And so they came to him and asked if he would record four public service announcements because they thought he would be a calming voice. He'd be someone that could help, uh, help the people, especially in New York City, to have hope and hang in there with the tragedy that had hit them. And Fred Rogers reports that he was reluctant to do that. He didn't know what words to come up with. But they recorded those public service announcements, and they turned out to be the last public recording of Fred Rogers because he died of stomach cancer in 2003. So like Fred Rogers, I think probably a lot of us are a little reluctant to be that helper, that leader, that person who in the midst of a world that feels so apocalyptic and falling apart, to offer that calming reassurance of hope. But you know, the Bible's full of reluctant people, humble people that God used to do very extraordinary things. Just think about the examples we have. Abraham and Sarah were childless and way too old, but they became the, the ones who started the descendants of the nation of Israel. Rahab was a prostitute. And God utilized her to save the spies of Israel that helped them overcome Jericho and conquer that city and make their way into the promised land. The shepherd boy David took on the giant Goliath. We could talk about Moses and all of his excuses, saying he could not lead the people out of Israel, and yet he was used to do the same. Jeremiah was a prophet who said to God that he did not know how to speak, and he was just a child and yet he became the prophet of God to the people of Judah. We could turn the New Testament. God uses Mary and Joseph, who happened to be from a small town in Galilee, a place nobody's heard of. Jesus called fishermen, a tax collector, and other ordinary people to be his disciples. The story of the Samaritan we heard two weeks ago. Or how about the Samaritan woman who had six husbands, and yet God used her to tell the story of Christ to a whole village, and she becomes the first recorded evangelist in the New Testament. Paul had to be blinded, and I could go on and on. But all these examples remind us that we don't have to be anything special to be used by God, to be that helper that others look for. So in these apocalyptic times, I invite us to be that voice like Taya Miles encourages, like the Apostle Paul tells us to rise above and have that perspective. I invite you to be the helpers our children look for. I invite you to be those people who look at the big picture and trust God is ultimately in control. Let's be the people who, like Paul, take the high road and realize relationships are more important than being right. Let's be the people who look for those our world ignores, neglects, or abuses. Let's be the helpers that others look for. Let's pray. Well, Lord, we do live in some crazy times right now. And there's a lot that there, we can worry about and have anxiety about. But help us to know that you are still God, and we are still your people, and somehow you'll bring us through as you have many times in the past. Help us to trust, help us to maintain that hope, and help us be that 
encouraging word to those who worry that the world's fallen apart. It's our hope and prayer through Christ who is our Lord. Amen. Well, we have a number of things we need to pray for. Please pray for Sherry and Rob Larkin. Rob is receiving radiation for a brain tumor they could not quite remove fully. Pray for Deb Smith. She plays our piano for the traditional services. Her mother, Marilyn Williams, is in Riverview Hospital fighting septus, and they need to do surgery to remove a blockage. Pray for, especially today, we just heard the tragic news this morning that Jennifer Nicholson has passed. She had surgery on her knee Wednesday and apparently suffered a heart attack following that. She leads the music and worship for our preschool here. So our preschool is going to be quite a mess this week. Please pray for all involved. And pray for Ron Mangus in the loss of his mother. Uh, she died this week at the age of 91. So we celebrate that life, but also know it's still a tough loss. And we want to celebrate our Noblesville girls basketball team won the Logansport semi-state. They'll be playing Franklin next week for the state championship, so we celebrate that. And if you notice, you got some company here today. We have a lot of prayer buddies. We had a team that gathered yesterday and tagged them so they can be sent off and, and shared in several places, including the hospice and memory care units at Allisonville Meadows with paramedics and the first responders of the Noblesville Fire Station, number 75, and the Noblesville Police Station on South 9th Street. So we thank all of you who donated to Prayer Buddy, those who worked to get these ready. And I'm telling you, as a preacher, I'm counting them in the attendance today, okay? <laughs> You've heard of preacher counts, right? Well, please pray, share your prayer concerns. As always, use the Noblesville First app. Use the care line at carenoblesofirst.com or call the phone line at 317-773-2590. We're going to pause now and have a time of silence. Please lift up these concerns we've shared today. You may have your own. And then I'll share a pastoral prayer and then we'll join together in the Lord's Prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we lift up our world today. We ask that you help us to be those conveyors of hope, especially with the concerns we've lifted up today. We ask that you be with the Larkins, with Deb Smith, Marilyn Williams, and the rest of the family. We pray for a student at Fishers High School, a sophomore who died tragically in a car accident last night. We pray for the family of Jennifer Nicholson. We pray for all of our preschool, our preschool teachers, and the sorrow, the grief they're going to experience this week. We pray for the Mangus family. Help them to celebrate well a life long and well lived. Be with each of the concerns that we have within our own hearts. And we know that you're there, your Holy Spirit surrounds us, and somehow you bring the right voices and the people into our lives at the right time and the right way. 
All this we celebrate. We thank you for the chance to come together and worship, to find that strength that we need for this coming week. Bless each person here. All this we ask in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the one who shared this prayer with the disciples, and it continues to speak to us today. Let us join together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
time of Holy Communion, a time to come together at one table as one body under one God, one Christ. I know I connect with some of the stories Pastor Jerry was telling today about, especially Fred Rogers, feeling reluctant to step up and, and, and record a message about 9-11. I, I often feel that maybe I don't have the right words or maybe I'll say something a little wrong and it will be taken the wrong way. I don't know how many of you have experience as a pastor, but it is a constant fret that you will say something slightly wrong that will be taken wrong or out of context. But I'm reminded, this has stuck with me ever since college. I remember when I was in college, we had a group of missionaries come and they spoke at one of our, our crew meetings. And they said, you know, a lot of you probably are sitting there waiting you're waiting for God to call you to go on a mission trip. And they said, we want to issue you a challenge. Instead of waiting for God to call you to go on a mission trip, plan to go on a mission trip and see if God calls you not to. Step up, <laughs> go, move, be the helper. And if God's not having you in that place, he'll let you know. But move, go, and be. And so this morning, as we do come to this table as one body, as we come to this open space, we just ask, I ask that you would maybe take an extra minute, either at the altar here, maybe in your seat before you come up, to ask God to put it on your heart where it is that you can go. Or maybe you already know the step and you're waiting to take it, to take that step, to move forward, to be a helper. Here at the Methodist Church, we believe in an open table, which means you don't have to be a member of this church or any church to share with us in Holy Communion. The only thing we ask is that you desire a deeper relationship with God. Here in a moment, we're going to invite you to come forward. The basket on the right here is if you have an action card, you'd like to let us know that you're here or how we can help you get involved with the ministries here at Noblesville First. If you have an offering this morning that you'd like to bring forward, you can also drop that in the basket as an act of worship. The basket on the left has communion cups. You can grab one of those, take it back to your seat if you'd like. You can kneel here at a bench, light a candle, say a prayer, whatever it is that draws you into worship this morning as we remember we remember the night that Jesus was killed. He was eating with his friends. And he took bread and he broke it. And he gave it to his friends and he said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is for you. And after supper, he took a cup and he blessed it. And he gave it to his friends and he said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this morning, for the opportunity to be here, to worship together, to hear a message about what you would have us be, helpers. God, that we would look to those around us and realize that we are all one body. We are one community. We are one 
set of your children all together. Whether we are here in this place or we are outside the walls or we're down the street, wherever we are, God, we are yours. God, help us. Help us to look for the ways that we can make this world that we are living in more and more like your kingdom. More and more like what it is going to be in that glorious time in the new heaven and the new earth where we are all sharing one table together. Just help us to be helpers. And we ask as we do each week that you make these gifts of food and drink for us to be the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. The table is open, friends. Come. you to stand and join us as we close in worship.